This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. So excited to be here with you guys this morning. I hope that you have enjoyed our prayer series. Um, I hope that you have been able to take some of the things that we've been talking about and just kind of apply them into your life and then take those things and genuinely experience Jesus um, in your prayer time. And maybe if you've been somebody who said, man, I, I, I've never prayed before. I don't pray. I don't know how to pray. Maybe our hope is that you've started praying a little bit. Maybe you've started um, said, hey, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. Maybe maybe you had a, a, a decent prayer life, but not a strong prayer life. I hope that it's been strengthened. And if your prayer life was just awesome before, good for you. <laughs> good for you. We hope you've been encouraged. Um, we're actually going to close out the series today. And in order to do that, we brought in the big guns. You guys know it. I, I, we, uh, I have, a, we have a very special guest speaker today. He's, he's one of my heroes, if not my hero. He's been in ministry for what, 80 or 90 years now? How old is it? It's 40, 40. He's been at the same place serving faithfully for the last 34 years. Is that right? And uh, his biggest accomplishment is that he survived raising me as a child. So you guys give it up for my dad, Ben Gerald. <laughs> He's going to come up this morning and close out our prayer series for us and uh, something special at the end of service. He's going to uh, dedicate our son, Judah. So, Dad, I love you. Thank I you for being you here. Too, son. Good luck. It's a tough crowd. Mike, there we go. There you go. Michael asked me to speak prayer today, and, and I'm excited to do so. I want to tell you, we one time had a year of prayer in our family. Michael just turned two, and every night for a year, Lars would tuck that sweet little thing in his bed. We would look at each other, and we would say, thank God. <laughs> He's asleep. Maybe you've had that kind of fear of prayer. We pray because we need help. We pray because we believe in God. Sometimes we pray not really understanding the power of prayer. Sometimes we pray wondering if God will hear our prayer. I want to share a wonderful story with you. Michael Gray and his wife Allison had been married for four years when it just seemed like their, their marriage began to fall apart. Divorce, it seemed, was the only solution that they could think of. One Friday night in April, they met at a public restaurant. They had been fighting so hard, they thought, well, if we meet at a public place, we can gather together, we can talk through things, we'll decide how to split up our belongings, our money, our, our everything, and we'll just get it done. Well, tempers flared. Before long, in that public restaurant, an argument ensued. In the midst of the fighting, when... when Looking at them and wondering what is going on with those two, suddenly Michael said out loud, you know, if we want this marriage to work, we have to give ourselves and our marriage to God. Michael later said that his words shocked him. He didn't go to the restaurant that evening to work on his marriage, but rather to negotiate a divorce. But right there, 
they prayed together and they gave themselves in marriage. Over many weeks, a lot of good decisions were made. Old wounds were healed. And Michael began to look back at that night and, and he couldn't imagine where those words came from. If we want this marriage to work, we'll have to give it and ourselves to God. Where did that come from? He, he couldn't imagine. One day he was at a customer site. He introduced himself and the customer said, you don't by chance have a wife named Allison, do you? He nodded yes. And about a mutual friend. And how that friend, how that friend had asked her to pray for Michael and his wife, Allison. In fact, she said, one evening she spoke to her Friday night prayer group about Michael and Allison. And God seemed to move in such a way that they began to pray, and they prayed not for a minute or two, but for more than two hours, they prayed that God would heal their marriage. Michael, Michael said, what day was that? Do you remember? And she thought, and she remembered. She said, yes, it was, it was the first Friday night in April, that was, that was the very evening that Michael and Allison met at a restaurant to figure out how to dissolve their marriage. It was the very night that he looked at Allison and said, if we want this marriage to work, we will have to give it and ourselves to God. I want you to listen to this. This is so important for us this evening, this morning. Prayer is a partnership with God that has the power to change the world through you. Did you catch that? When we pray, we are in partnership with God. And when we are in partnership with God, nothing is impossible. The whole world can change and God can use you to change the world. Someone said, if you think small, you'll get small. If you pray small, you'll receive small. But if you pray big, you will never be the same again. I want you to be the people who pray big. I want you to be the people who, who may not know where the burden came from, who may not know why God has brought these individuals into your life and burdened you to pray for them. You may not understand the, the things that God wants to do through you, but I want you to be the people who pray big. I want you to be the people who ask God for big things. I want you to be the people who know that with God on your side, nothing is impossible. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn over into the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading with the third third verse, and I'll be reading out of the New International Version. It's not going to quite match up, perhaps, with what you have there. We always thank God, Paul wrote, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. 
the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the first day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Now, I want to ask you a question. How vital is prayer in your life? How many people have you heard about? How many people are in your family? How many people do you love with all your heart? And because you are burdened for them, you are able to say to them, since the very first day, I have not stopped praying for you. You see, Paul understood the power of prayer. He understood that when we pray, we're in partnership with God. And when we're in partnership with God, God does the impossible. And sometimes he may choose you to do the impossible through. He said, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding which the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit into every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have the endurance and patience and that you might give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son whom he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. And we pray that it's truth may take hold in our minds and hearts. And then by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might apply it to our own hearts that we may have the knowledge of your will and the wisdom and understanding to apply it rightly and the energy to please you in every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could wish for anything for the people that you care most, what would it be? What about, what about your spouse? If you could wish for your spouse happiness, fulfillment, the ability to stop and smell the roses, to not be constantly stressed out, what is the most important thing that you would pray, you would wish for the most important people in your life? What about your children? Would you wish for them good friendships, accomplishment? Perhaps that, that God might one day bring a, a good man or a woman into their lives so that together in marriage they could live in, in joy and peace. 
You see, all of those are wonderful things. When we read Colossians chapter 1, though, we discover that as desirable as those things may be, for the Christian, they're not the primary goal. I want you to look again at verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 of Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because, uh, uh, mark this if you mark, we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that sprang from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you. You see, Paul is speaking of three qualities there. He's speaking of faith and love and hope. And he says that the existence of those three qualities, well, they're the proof of genuine Christianity. They are the proof that God is at work in your life. These three things are the defining qualities of a Christian life. And yet sometimes we, we breeze right through them and we miss their significance. In the book of Hebrews, we read these words, faith is the evidence of things not seen. You see, when we begin to pray for others, we pray in faith, but we pray for their faith. We pray in faith, but we pray that they will grow in love. We pray in faith, but we pray that God will fill them with hope through His Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we just miss these things. Faith is the evidence of things not seeing. You see, faith is seeing things the way they are and understanding that the way things are is not the way they have to be. That's a powerful thing when we come to God in prayer. We say, God, my marriage is falling apart. God, like Michael and Allison, I don't know what to do, but I know that the things I see are not the things that have to be, so I come to you in prayer. Father, my children, they need your help. They're just spinning their wheels. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to accomplish it. They're, they just have these things in their lives that just seem to bind them and hold them back. So, Father, I come to you in faith knowing the things that I see are not the things that have to be. How many people in your life are you praying for in this way? You know, there was a time when the Colossians... Well, they didn't know Jesus Christ. In fact, Epaphras heard Paul preach. History tells us probably in Ephesus, about a hundred miles west, and he was converted, and he traveled back to his hometown. And when he got there, he told the people about Jesus Christ, and they too repented and, and believed. Epaphras saw his people as they were. But by faith, he knew that what he saw with his eyes did not have to stay that way. You see, we pray because we know that what is does not have to be. Michael Gray looked at his wife. He knew that his marriage was falling apart. There was such anger there they couldn't be in the same room together. There was such bitterness that, that they smirked when they looked at one another. 
that both made a million mistakes and, and, and just as many words that should have never been spoken had been spoken and were destroying their marriage. And he looked at his wife that evening and he said, if, if we want this marriage to work, we'll have to give it and ourselves to God. Do you understand? Looking at what was, at a failed marriage, looking at what was, he knew it did not have to stay that way. A woman, <laughs> she, she gathered some of her friends together each Friday night. They met together for one purpose. They prayed. They prayed for one another. They prayed for their fellowship. They prayed for their friends and family. She didn't know. From a distance, she saw a marriage that was falling apart. But through the prayer of faith, she knew that it did not have to stay that way. You see, we pray because we know in prayer there is the wonderful possibility of partnering with God. And when we partner with Him, we know that nothing is impossible. What we see does not have to be. That's why our, our, our prayer for others begins in faith and focuses on their faith. Faith is one of the evidences that God is at work in your life. Specifically, faith in Jesus Christ. You can put your faith in a lot of things, and a lot of things will fail you. But the Bible tells us He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. I promise you, He will not fail you. So when we pray, we pray in faith. And when we pray, we pray in love. The second thing that we recognize about genuine Christianity is, is that the Christian possesses this great love for other people. What would cause a woman and her friends who, who know nothing about a Michael and Allison Gray to spend a Friday night of all nights in prayer, not for a moment, but for two hours, praying for that young couple? There's only one thing. They fell in love with Jesus. And when they fell in love with Jesus, they fell in love with others. You see, when we focus our prayer on ourselves, it is a sign that we're not truly in love with Him. Because when we focus our prayer on ourselves, we don't love the same people He loves. God calls us to prayer, the prayer of faith, and He calls us to prayer, the, the prayer of love. Jesus said, by this all people, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. Did you catch that? Did you catch it? We wonder why our prayers don't get off the ground, and the reason is we are, we are selfishly always focusing our prayers on self instead of others. 
when we love as God loves, we have life. And there is life even in our praying. You know, you and I have a great responsibility to help produce faith and love in the lives of those around us, especially in the lives of those whom God has given us influence. Our spouses, our children, the people of, of the river, our extended family, our co-workers. Yesterday I, I was reading some news articles. I saw a little fluff story about Haley Hassel and her daughter Presley. It was Presley's first year in school. She wanted a brand new pencil box. She wanted a, a LOL brand pencil box. Her mom looked for one, couldn't find it. She went to one store, two store, three stores. She finally found it. She picked up her daughter at school after that first day of school, and she said, I, I've got a surprise for you. They got home. She took the pencil box out. She gave it to her daughter. Her daughter grabbed it, threw it in the trash, slammed her bedroom door and said, That's stupid. Everyone in my class has one like that. I don't want it anymore. And her mom said, Okay, that's fine. She went in the kitchen. She got out a sandwich bag. And she wrote her daughter's name on it. And under her daughter's name, she wrote pencil box. She went into her daughter's bedroom and she said, Sweetie, there are people whose mommies and daddies can't afford to buy school supplies. You have to think about these things before you talk and act like that. So for now, you get to use this plastic baggie for your pencil box. And I'm going to go to your school tomorrow. And the pencil box that I bought for you I'm going to give it to a little boy or girl who will be grateful for it. Hmm. I wonder how many times God has to do that with us. You see, the way we pray describes our relationship with Him. Mom and Dad, you have a responsibility not just to provide pencil boxes for your children, but to live in front of them, to pray diligently for them in such a way that they will have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in such a way that they will love the same people, the same things that He loves. Part of the way we do this is through prayer. Now, when you pray for your children and you begin to see their faith growing and their love for others activated, when you pray for your spouse, and you see these things flourishing in his or her life, you need to know that the enemy will come and he'll try to steal those things away. That is why Paul wrote the book of Colossians. They had started out in faith. They had started out in love. They had great hope in their hearts, and yet there were false teachers who came in and they were trying to steal the faith of these new believers. Paul says in verse 5, don't forget about the hope you have, hope that comes to you through the message of truth about Jesus Christ. Don't forget the hope you have. Last night, my sister told me that her son was at the hospital with a friend. 
a boy had spent a lot of time in her home. He was the kind of kid that seemed happy and smart and had good grades. He was an awesome soccer player. His family had every resource they needed. He lacked for nothing. He seemed to have a good relationship with his mom and dad. But last night, he took his own life. Nobody saw it coming. Completely and absolutely shocked. Now I want to say to you that nobody knows what goes through the mind and heart of someone who has come to the place that Bryce came to last evening. And no one is responsible for the horrible decision that he made, though it devastated so many people. No one did it to him. He made a choice. But saying all of that, I want to say this to you. This is what I know. At some point in time, that young man who, who had the world lost all hope. Paul speaks of these three things as he begins writing to the people of Colossae. He speaks of faith, and he speaks of love, and he speaks of hope. I want to say to you as Christians, as Christian moms and dads, as Christian aunts and uncles, as, as Christian friends, as, as fellow members in the church, we have a responsibility to infuse hope into our conversations, into our interactions, into our relationships that we have with other people. And the kind of hope that we infuse into the lives of others is not just wishful thinking. It's not cheer up, tomorrow's a new day. It's, it's not this too shall pass. It's hope based on this one thing. The English Standard Version says, the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. What's the message of truth? What is the basis for this hope for which we pray in the lives of others? It is the gospel. It is the message. This is it. That God loves you, that in spite of the emptiness of your life, in spite of, of the sinfulness of your life, in spite of the way you have messed up your life, he loves you so much that he died for you. So much that he would not let death defeat him. So much that on the third day he arose from the dead and today he has sent his Holy Spirit to fill you with who he is. And here's the promise of his word. He will never leave you or forsake you. That is the hope that we infuse in the lives of others through our prayers. These are the qualities that we with the help of God inspire in, pray through, give thanks for, not only in our own lives, but more especially in the lives of those whom we care for. I spoke with a, a father this week. His daughter is struggling, overwhelmed. Every day is a battle. She has everything going for her, but right now life is just hard. Maybe you've had those kinds of days. 
maybe you understand what it is to to lack for nothing and yet yet be overwhelmed with hopelessness. The burden that she is carrying seems bigger than what she can bear. I want to tell you what happened this last week. She came in one day, <laughs> she sat down and she just began to weep uncontrollably, the kind of weeping that just, just makes you gasp for breath. And her dad went over and put his arm around her. And he said, sweetie, you have the day off. Tomorrow you're going to go to school. You're going to do your work. You're going to interact with your friends. But you have the day off from worry and stress. When you seemed overwhelmed, I want you to just text me one word wherever you are. Just text pray. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you all through the day. But if I receive that word pray, I'm going to get on my knees before God and I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to pray for you. You have the day off from worry and stress because I've got your back. I'm covering you today. You don't have to be afraid because, because I've got you. Here's my question for you this morning. Who have you got? Who are you covering for? Who is it that God has burdened your life for? Are you willing? Are you able to cover them in prayer? Maybe your child, maybe your niece or nephew, maybe your brother or sister, your spouse or a friend, maybe someone at your work, maybe someone you've never met, but someone spoke to you. There's a young couple named Michael Gray and his wife Allison, and they need prayer. Their marriage is falling apart, and God just, he just burdens you with it. And you cover them. Maybe you're here today. And you need somebody to cover for you. You're the one who needs to take the day off. Just be free from the worry and the stress and say today, before God, someone has me. Maybe the only way that that will take place is for you to speak to your pastor or fill out a connect card and say, I need somebody to cover me. If you do that, I promise you, you will be covered. I promise it. You see, everyone's responsible for their own choices. You can't make choices about faith for someone else. You can't force someone to love. You can't you can't manipulate someone to take hope into their own life. Everyone is responsible for their own choices. And yet God has given us this awesome possibility of becoming partners with Him in prayer. He has said to us, 
if you partner with me in this thing, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible. How are you going to pray for those whom God has given to you? How are you going to ask God to fill them up with faith and love and hope? Well, if we were to go back to verses 9, 10, 9 and 10 of that first chapter of Colossians, I would tell you the first thing that we ought to pray is that they would have a teachable spirit. You see, to have knowledge is not the same as knowing how to apply that knowledge. To be teachable means that we not only seek knowledge, but to be teachable means that we are, we are not to stop until we are working out what we know in our own lives. Look, look at verse 9. Paul said, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, God's will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He's saying, I want you to understand what you know, and God will help you do that so that you may live, so that, so that you may apply that knowledge, work out that knowledge in your own life in a way that is worthy, Paul says, of the Lord, that you may please Him in every way, bearing fruit unto every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, always growing more and more in knowledge. You see, the first thing we're to pray into the lives of those God has given us, our children, our spouses, even ourselves, is, is that we would have a teachable spirit, that they would have a teachable spirit. And then, number two, we should pray that they may know God's will in their lives. Look at, look at again, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for the lives of those for whom my heart is burdened? Do you know that God is vitally interested in the details of your life? Philippians 1 verse 6, I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day Christ returns. God's begun it. He is continuing it. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you hope and future. That's what, that's what God wants for you. He has a will for your life and He has will in the lives of those for whom you are praying. Don't stop praying. Even if they don't see it, even if they don't understand it, you keep on keeping on. But don't just simply pray that they will know God's will. Look at verse 10 again. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. The third thing we're to pray for is that not only we would know God's will, not only that those whom we pray for would know God's will, but that they would do God's will. Again, verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. I want to tell you, God wants you to be productive. 
He wants you to accomplish something. He wants your life to count. He wants the lives of those for whom you pray for today, and perhaps their names are already written on your heart. He wants their lives to count too. You partner with Him. You pray that these for whom you pray will really count in the kingdom. Growing in the knowledge of God. That's, that's the fourth thing we can pray. That these for whom we pray would continually grow in the knowledge of who God is. Number six, pray that they'll have power to overcome when life gets tough. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. A scientist by the name of Alfred Russell Wallace observed the monarch butterfly. It was trying to get out of its cocoon, and he wrote about it. Here's what he said. It struggled, pushed, and pulled for a long time until its body emerged fully. The butterfly rested momentarily, fluttered its wings, and then flew away. Wallace, as a scientist, wanted to know the process. He wanted to know what would happen if he helped the process alone. So he got another cocoon, and, and he cut it open, and he waited for the butterfly to come out, and it did. But instead of resting and then stretching its wings and flying away, it struggled. It crept about on the ground for a moment and then died. You see, God knows that sometimes the struggle is the thing that we need. Sometimes it is the struggle that helps us to grow, to flourish, to, to be alive. Our job is not to save someone God has burdened our heart with from the struggle, but to pray that they will have the power to overcome in difficult situations. And the next thing, verse 12, pray that they will have the right attitude, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Attitude is one of the most important assets that you can have. In the end, your attitude is your choice. We should pray for the attitudes of others. You see, it's not negative things, not negative events, not negative people that cause their attitudes to be bitter, to be defeated. It is their own choice. Chuck Swindoll once wrote, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is... Swindoll says, we have an a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the past. We cannot change the way people act. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. He says, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to us, and 90% of how I react to it. 
and so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. When we pray for others, we pray for their attitude because we know that their attitude can make or break them. Don't quit. Zimboski was a Polish physician who was captured by the Russian soldiers in World War I. He was sentenced to death. The Russians wanted to have some fun with him, so they offered to free him if he could defeat their wrestling champion. He said, I prayed that God would give me strength and good judgment. Then I dug in and wrestled, and I won. And he was freed. Let me encourage you today. God's burdened your heart this morning for someone. He's talking to you about them. Their name really is written on your heart. He is speaking to you and He is saying they need someone to cover for them. And you're the person I choose. He longs for you to partner with Him because He knows that when you partner with Him, you can come to the realization that nothing is impossible. Let me encourage you today. When you're praying for yourself, when you're praying for those God has given you, when you're praying that they would grow in faith, when you're praying that their love would expand, when you're, you're praying that their life, though it may be empty today, would be filled with hope, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When you're praying and it seems that nothing is happening, don't give up. Don't give in. Dig in. Ask God to help you. Pray right. Live right. Relate with others right. And then wrestle in prayer until you win. Father, we love you so much today. Come and do your work in this moment. We ask, Father, that you would speak your word to our hearts. We've already prayed that your word would take our hearts captive, that your spirit would work in us to accomplish these things within us. We've asked, Father, that you would make real in us the things that we have studied today. And so we ask now that you would bring it to pass. I pray for the dear ones here. There are some, Father, who need to cover others in prayer. There are some who really need to come before your throne of grace on behalf of a son or a daughter, on behalf of a husband or a wife, on behalf of a friend. I pray, Father, today that you would so encourage their heart that they would not give up, not give in, but that they would dig in until they win. Now, Father, there are others here who need someone to cover for them today. We bring them before you. We don't know their names. We don't know the circumstances of their living. We don't know the battles that they are fighting. But Father, we bring them before you in this moment. And we pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, you would work in them so that their faith is increased, so that their love would continue to grow. And Father, so that their life would be filled up with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ.
I pray this now in his holy name. Amen.